Speakers, a podcast dedicated to helping arm the community with more of the information necessary to move us forward in a world that seems to be trying its hardest to drag us back to some of the darkest times in our history. The mission of Blatant Frankism is to introduce more voices, perspectives, and experiences into the community dialogue by talking to people that represent various generations, genres, and walks of life. The vision is that each weekly conversation will provide listeners with new information that's relevant to their lives and that inspires them to act on those issues they see affecting their communities. Who knows? One day it could be you, your issue, and our conversation. Let's try to make sense of the world together. Let's provide each other with resources we all need to make it. Let's script our own narrative and stop letting those who don't truly represent us do it. Let's take action. Together. Our objective for this and every week is that by the end of today's show, we will all learn something about ourselves and the world as we each see both and take an action step on a personal or collective level that reflects this learning. Let's get into it. Let's warm up. Question. What's your drug of choice? I'm not necessarily talking about a substance or alcohol. What is it that feeds your soul, gives you a boost, takes you to your ultimate point, makes you the happiest, helps you escape the mental trappings of this world? I have many, or maybe I just can't decide upon one. I immerse myself in each, some good and some bad, at one time or another. So, what about you? Hopefully for you it's something positive, something that adds value to your life the community, the world. Unfortunately, that isn't the case for everyone. According to the American Addiction Centers, 21.5 million American adults aged 12 and older battled a substance use disorder in 2014. Almost 80% of individuals suffering from a substance use disorder in 2014 struggled with an alcohol use disorder. Over 7 million Americans in 2014 battled a drug use disorder. One out of every eight people who suffered from a drug use disorder in 2014 struggled with both alcohol and drug use disorders simultaneously. In 2014, almost 8 million American adults battled both a mental health disorder and a substance use disorder, or co-occurring disorders. Drug abuse and addiction cost American society close to $200 billion in health care, criminal justice, legal, and lost workplace production participation costs in 2007. The World Health Organization estimates the global burden of disease related to drug and alcohol issues to be 5.4% worldwide. Think about those numbers. Your warm-up questions. Do you or anyone you know fit into any of these categories? Which one? Hell, which ones? What are you doing about it? Are you doing anything? If you're anything like me, the answers to these questions change with the times and stressors. So, too, do the results, many of which have life-altering effects. This week, I'll be talking to someone for whom this was just the case. This week's interview subject is Andrew Franklin, my uncle. We'll get into the civil rights era in D.C., his history with drug abuse, and second chances. Maybe we'll all learn a little something. Let's go. All right, so here I am with um, someone very important to me, someone who has been around my life for its entirety, (laughs) my Uncle Andrew. (laughs) My Uncle Andrew, thank you for joining me. All right. Um, let's just a little background. Why don't you give everybody some background on who you are, you know, name, where you were born, things like that. Okay. My name is Andrew Franklin. I am Sean's uncle. Um, I was born at Bethesda Naval Hospital uh, in 1956. I am now 62 years old. And what else you need? Yeah. I mean, that's it. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Well, I grew up, well, we grew up in, basically in Washington, D.C., 
We moved to Buffalo, New York for three years. I attended school, elementary school there before my mother decided that it was too cold uh, for us to live up there. So we came back down here. Um, when I was in the fifth grade, um, I went to Turner Elementary School and Kramer Junior High and Anacostia High School. Graduated from Anacostia. Went to Hampton uh, University for only uh, a year before I came back to start working at the post office. Oh, I didn't know you went to Hampton. Yeah, I did. Okay, all right. What, what was that experience like for you? Well, actually, I really I, I went down there. It was a playground for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I passed the courses, but it was more of a getting away from home kind of thing, learning about uh, uh, different cultures from from other than Washington, D.C., and I came back and I got a job at the post office. I'd rather work to help my mother at that time than to be in school. Okay. The job at the post office. I remember those post office jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Post office was a trip. Yeah, I remember coming up, always taking, you know, they always announced when the post office exam w- was going down. I remember that. podcast started out of some conversations I had about um, uh, the civil rights movement and this area during that time um, with someone, you know, who had been there. So she was kind of telling myself and my students about what was going on. And I realized that I hadn't had any kind of conversation in my whole life um, with people who were there. And so that's what this we have one. is about. I tell you what, back in those days, you know, when they, when they, um, when Martin Luther King was actually very prominent, you know, it was it was a different it was different then. You know, we were struggling. You know, a black person really couldn't walk down the street at night simply because you know the white police officers would harass you. You know, they would harass you. We pretty much stayed in our own neighborhoods. You know, back in those days. You know, you, because if you did it, you know, the police will see you walking and and uh, they, they would harass you. It's not whoop you to death. You know, white people, you know, especially on 8th when Martin Luther King got killed, you know, we, we did our own, our own culture and injustice simply because we burned up our own city. You know, we burned up uh, uh, H, 8th and H. We burned that from H, eighth and H, all the way to seventeenth, and we burned it down. You know, it took them thirty years to rebuild that that part of the city. Thirty years. Now, if you go down there now, it's uh, it's just thriving now. But you know, we had no place else to go back in those days. You know, after we burned it up, we had no place to go. We had, we had no place to go. You couldn't go shopping downtown, you know, without uh, being scrutinized by the police as thieves, robbers, you know. It, it was a little different for, for me because, you know, and I hate to say it like this, because light-skinned people, light-skinned people got a break because we were light-skinned, okay? Dark-skinned people had more of a problem than what I could ever imagine. Because we were light-skinned, we got more of a break from the police officers and uh, the white the white uh, people that were hiring us at the time. We could get a job as long as we act like we had some sense. You know, when you went in there, you know, back in those days, guys didn't wear, wear their pants down 
beyond past their butt. We didn't do that back in those days. You know, we didn't do that. Yeah. Back in those days. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. I, I, I get what you're saying on that, and <clears throat> I, I get what you're saying, um, you know, as far as that's concerned, um, but there there were, I, I may not personally agree with that sense of style, but there were other expressions of, 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 of I, I guess, fashion or, or, or personal community culture or things like that. There, I mean, there were other expressions that, you know, I'm sure during those times, you know, people thought were radical or inappropriate or things like that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we 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 wore back in those days. You know, we we wore we had uh, the afro, <laughs> the afro, and people used to clap their hair. Okay, but now these a lot of folks used to go to interviews with their head flatted. It didn't come over real good with employers. You know, they wanted to have a close cut haircut. You know, back in those days, a close cut haircut, you know, um, if you wanted to get a job at their establishment. But the Bush was uh, our culture. Right. That was our culture. We Everybody had a Bush. You know, unfortunately, I say unfortunately, because my hair didn't grow real long. And I always wore flat. Everywhere I went, I had flat in my head, trying to make my hair grow. But it just wouldn't grow. Beyond maybe three inches. Hmm. That, that was that was the, as far um, the length of my hair was three inches, and that was it. It wouldn't grow any further. I just kept it cut. So I, I kept it cut. So I guess you know, your, um, so, your the, the bush during that time is kind of like the locks nowadays, and how there's a lot of scrutiny around that, and you know people say you know you you should cut your locks, and you know that's that's not presentable, that's not appropriate. All these situations now where you have. <sighs> school systems and, and people who are supposed to be adults protecting children, like, you know, cutting hair in, in school or during competition. So I guess, you know, one yeah. way or the other, yeah. it, it's just a mechanism of, uh, I guess, control or perceived power, I guess. But I want to kind of go back to what you said about um, the difference in how light-skinned um, African-Americans and, and dark-skinned um, African-Americans were treated. What like I know, I see you say the police kind of maybe gave you a pass, but what, like, how did that play out, like, within the black community itself? Like, how did, how were those kind of relationships? How were relationships among well, the, the, the thing, the thing about that, the thing about that, right? You know, the, 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 the people that I that I hung out with, that I called my best friends was were dark chocolate, okay? You know, and they would we would call each other salt and pepper. They knew that if I was with them, you know different restaurants wouldn't look at us strangely. Mm. Okay? We couldn't okay. go to a lot of restaurants if you were if you were dark chocolate. No, I don't. Let me talk to Sean. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know what the hell uh, you know, we went to different restaurants and, and we didn't we weren't looked at um sideways, should I say, with with me being in the pack. Okay? Most folks thought that I had a white mother or a white father. I had neither. I had neither. Okay? I had neither. Because my hair was, my hair was, so most folks thought I would put lash, relaxes in my head. I didn't. I didn't put none of that stuff in my head. You know, it was just the way it was. You know, so, um, you know, like, you, you know Anthony and, and, and Frank. Right, you know them, right? Yeah. You know, and you know how chocolate they are, <laughs> yeah. right? So, but especially fish. Yeah. Fish wasn't educated. The way he talked got him borrowed from a lot of places. Borrowed from a lot of places. Okay, but when he was with me, it was a different story. We didn't get borrowed. He didn't get borrowed. Not at all. Okay. So, and then, and then, you know, and then you know about uh, about the drug thing that I eventually got into, right? Right. And and that that took away from my growth. You know, for a lot of years, and you you know that. Right. You know, 
uh, after I got married the first time, then I started to use drugs. And that just threw me for a loop. You know, I thought that was the thing to do. No, it wasn't. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit. I um, was my podcast last week. I talked to um, uh, Dr. Tara, who does work, um, mental health work, you know, she's a mental health professional. And one of the things that I was asking her about was, you know, like, you know, in terms of like what's happening, um, this current (laughs) situation, um, this current political situation, you know, what's happening in the country, like the kinds of things that, that people use, um, well, she started mentioning people using things as an escape, kind of a way to get away from their problems. And, you know, she talked about, um, she mentioned drug use, you know, alcohol use. Um, and so I guess part of, part of what I've been wondering about in terms of, um, the comparisons between, you know, you know, the, the fifties and sixties and seventies and, and what's happening now is, you know, how people are dealing with it mentally because people are just angry and reacting. And, and I know that, people are, are, are in, in, in search of things to kind of help them escape that. I know I am personally, and that's just, that's an admission on my part. Um, and so, yeah. so talk, talk about like, I guess, kind of what led you to, um, down that path. Yeah. The, the, the thing that, that led, the thing, when I was working at the post office, right. You know, I used to, I got into, um, selling that stuff. Right. Then I, you, you, People say, well, you got the bomb this, you got the bomb that. I, I said, let me try it. See if it's the bomb. And so the more I tried it, the more the more I wanted it. Okay? Now, back in the day, back in the day, they were using a different kind of drug. Crack wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was, they used, they used, um, they used cocaine, but it wasn't crack. People wasn't burning it and smoking it in the pipes. When you burn it and smoke in the pipes, it's a totally different, totally different aspect of the drug. Now, back in the day, in the 60s, they were using, they were popping pills. They were giving it an acid, you know, uh, Mr. Natural. Uh, I, I can't think of some of the, the names of the pills they were popping. You know, it was a hippie thing. A hippie, and they were smoking weed, you know, to, to no extent. Mostly, they were popping pills. Okay, and if you if you could afford cocaine back in those days, they considered you to be high class. Okay, because the, the high class people did it undercover. They didn't really want you to know that they were doing that. Okay, but you know, once you got in that circle of of of, of snorting cocaine, you 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 thought you had a ride. Okay, with the crew you were hanging with, you know, because everybody had money, you know, or you thought you had money, you know, you were still going downhill slowly but surely, you know, and then when the crack came out, you know, that took me for a loop, you know, it took me for a a 10 to to 15 year hiatus, right, that I thought I could never recover from, but God brought me back. God brought me back, you know, by the grace of God, I'm clean today, you know, only by the grace of God, because I tell you now, you know, if I don't keep this in front of me, you know, up front in my life, that I could be out there with the next man right now, you know, if I, if I go around those people, you know, and hang around those people, you know, that, that would take me out faster then somebody could bring me in, hanging around those people, right. you know, because it's a thing they want you to do because you look good, you know, you look healthy, you know, and they want you, hey, go ahead and try it, go ahead and try it, you'll be all right, I got you, hell no, nah. I want to stab you in your mouth if you want to tell me, ask me to try it, I got to ask you about that, don't, don't, don't try to give me a drug that I just got off of and that's something I'm going to be all right. No, I'm not. Misery, misery loves company. Misery loves company. I could, I could take you to the neighborhood that I used to hang in. It's not, it has not changed. There, there are tricks walking up and down the street. There are people looking like zombies. Ties, I don't know what. You know, skinny as a toothpick. 
because the drug has taken their life away. Period. Just like it did mine. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Okay? The drug took my life away. You know, and, and, and I, had a, I was married. You know, that drug had a lot to do with me not having my first wife. Okay? But, you know, I can't dwell on that now because I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And a lot of people are still making mistakes. Now, depression, you know, um, people get depressed and they try different things. Alcohol. Now, I'm going to tell you one thing. Alcohol is a gateway to using drugs. It's the gateway. Because after a while, the alcohol is not going to get you where you want to go. So now you're looking for something else to, to, to boost what it is you, you think you got to have. Now, you, now you're smoking weed. Okay, that's fine. Weed doesn't really take you out like that. It just doesn't. It, does, it doesn't take you out like that. Cocaine, crack, heroin, uh, methamphetamines, all those things will take you out of here. Will change your life. It will change your life. Okay, for the worse. There's no good. There's no good that can come from that. No. I don't care who you are. I've, I've known. This guy, Ed, he was clean for 28 years. 28 years this guy was clean. He figured, he, well, he wanted to try it one day. He wanted to try it. He had a Mercedes-Benz, a Lexus, had a pretty house. He has none of that anymore. None of that. Nobody, nobody even knows where he is anymore. The last report we got was that he was on uh, 17th of Benning Road sitting on the corner, begging for change. The man had it going on. He was working for IBM, had it going on, you know, but you can't allow yourself to say, well, I tried, anybody going to know. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. People will know. People who know you know the difference in you. They know the difference, okay? Just like if I went back out there now and came around you, you would know. You would know because you knew me when I was out there. You came to find me on a couple of two or three times. I was so embarrassed, I didn't know what to do. But I, I you know, I went on oh, back to Mama's because I figured I could get myself cleaned up. And once I did that, I went back. You know, and I, and, and I regret that. Well, before she passed, before well, before she passed, I started to get it together but I wasn't together when she died. And I, I regret that. I regret, I regret still using drugs before she died. You know, but did her death help me to leave that stuff alone? Yes, it did. Yes, it did, because now I didn't have anybody else. Yeah, I had you all. I had my sister, and I had you and Andrea. But I couldn't bring that, that mess around you guys. I had to stand up on my own two feet and get it together. If not, I probably would be there today with the, with the illnesses I had, with the kidney issues that I had, the high blood pressure that I had. You know, had I stayed out on the street, one of those things would have taken me out by now because I wouldn't have been going to get treatment for it like I do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for my kidney. I go to Dallas Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If I stayed out on, I mean, now don't get it twisted. There are people that go to the houses that get high. They get high and they die. They can't get on the kidneys, not at all, because what they take out blood every Wednesday. They know that you're getting high. Every Wednesday they take your blood. They don't even put you on a list. Why? They say why. And if you notice, I stopped smoking three years ago because the lady told me, she said, well, if you keep smoking, you'll walk in time bomb. We're not going to give you no kidney if one comes available. You'll walk in time bomb. Why should we give a perfectly good kidney to somebody who wants that? 
But when you hurt somebody, you don't get to determine when they move on or how they move on. And, exactly. and, 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 I, and I, I understand your feelings, but that that's separate from whatever direction she decides to take her life in. Her feelings for you have nothing to do with that. And I mean, exactly. maybe maybe one day y'all will handle that. Maybe y'all won't. But I just want to I want to make sure I put that out there. That, that, that don't have nothing yeah, to do with yeah. it. And I understand that. I understand, you know, because I had to go. I had to go to somebody, you know, to talk about that. Right. Okay. I had to go to somebody to talk about that. Right. OK. And he told me the same thing you just did. differences is is I don't think that what we're seeing is that things are happening more I just think that with has time has changed we know more about it and I think that's the difference yeah. but but we are going on um 30 minutes now so we we need to bring this to a close okay um, right, I'm that's fine <laughs> that's fine we'll we'll do that I'm but um Lord uh, but we'll talk about that. But but um, I want to first, uh, you know, I thank you for doing this. But I like I want to end this with some questions, kind of like some rapid fire questions. So another part of why or what I believe is that things like you know music and food and sports kind of unite people. And so you know it's kind of like talking about things like that or having or, or enjoying things like that can kind of bring people together. You know, we may not share the same political philosophy, but if we chilling at a game together, you know, we can, we can enjoy that time. And so I think that's important. So I have some rapid fire questions that I want to ask okay. you, but I need you to choose five numbers between one and 69. One and 69. Yeah. Five numbers. Okay. Uh, let's go, uh, 29, 35, 40, 45, and 63. 
Here we go. Number 29. Who was your childhood actress crush? Who did you have a crush on when you were a kid that was an actress? When I was, when I was a kid? Yeah. Uh, you're talking about um, in what capacity? Who did you have a crush on? Who did you think was cute? Who would you have liked to have met? A movie star. Uh, uh, Kathy Jeffries. Say what? My godmother? What? Yeah. No, man, celebrity. Lord, you about to take this in another direction. My <laughs> a celebrity. Celebrity? Yeah. Uh, 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 who is your celebrity lookalike? Who do you? Who would people tell you you look alike? Uh, Will Will Smith. People always, especially when I was when I was younger, they they say that that was my twin brother, Will Smith. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm I'm gonna let you have that one. Number forty. If a movie was being made about your life and you could choose the actor that would play you, who would you choose and why? I would choose. I would choose, there's only one guy that I would choose, and that would be uh, uh, Denzel, because I, that's the kind of guy I thought I was Ooh, coming okay. up. I thought I was that smooth as Denzel. Okay. I, 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 that's I like what that. I, I thought I was. You, you, I like you might have been. I would want him to be. Huh? I said you might have been. That might have been what got you in so much trouble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It did. <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of it had to do with that. Believe me. All right. Uh, forty-five. What was your first record that you ever owned? First record that I ever owned. Uh, it was it was uh, the first record I ever owned was 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 um, Richard Pryor's album. Richard Pryor's album. It's funny album. That's the first album I ever owned. Wow. Okay. You remember the first music album? The first music album was um uh what was the name of them people? It was a, it was a slow no it was a Delphonics. That was the first music album I ever owned with Delphonics. All right. Because I was a ballad guy. I, I, I still am. I love ballads. I love them then, and I love them now. So do I. I wonder where I got that from. It's because, because, because it, 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 to me, balance, except you had an even keel. You know, it was still, it was smooth. And I, and again, I might be arrogant in saying that. I thought I was the smoothest cat in Washington. And I like balance. All right. All right. 63, are you a competitive person? Oh, hell yeah. Even 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 when I was out in the street, I was very competitive, and I and I still am now. And on my job, if I if I'm not the top cat on my job, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with me not being the top cat, and I I don't want nobody nobody making more money than me. Nobody. Mm-hmm. All right. And 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 for with years on that job, nobody has made more money than me. All right. Yeah, I'm very competitive. All right. Okay, one more question. Pick, okay. a, num- pick a number one through 26. One through who? One through 26. Yeah, let's go over 25. 25. Where is your dream vacation? Your dream vacation I, destination. Acapulco. Acapulco. Why Acapulco? Because, because of the... Because of the... Uh, the atmosphere the people, the culture in Acapulco. It's just a laid-back atmosphere, and that's why I wish I could live there. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Andrew Franklin. We can do this on a daily basis. Once a week. When we, we, we can chop it up once a week. I'm I, cool I, with I that. I got to stuff, and I'm feeling good about it. All right. We, 
we we can do it. We can talk a little more often. We, we'll see. We'll see. If we can get you back in the rotation as far as the podcast. But we can talk a little more often. Definitely, you know that. Okay. Okay. Right. So what you about to do now? Um, in this interview, and then get to work. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. And, and I've gotten a lot of this than you did. You just don't know. <laughs> we'll see. And I got a whole lot more to tell you. So when you're ready, let me know. Oh, all right. All right, man. Thank you. Okay. I love you. I I want to thank my Uncle Andrew for joining me uh, this week on the podcast. Um, (laughs) You know, I I love that dude, man. He likes to tell stories a lot, which I'm surprised he didn't tell today about how I would ride with him when I was a toddler and he was a tow truck operator. Um, Every time he tells the story, I, I, I get an image in my head. It's like a memory of, of us in, in the parking lot of uh, Marlow Heights Shopping Center for some reason. So, you know, uh, apparently a part of me remembers all of that. Um, but, yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, there were some darker times, as he spoke about times when drugs kind of took hold of his life. Um it was a rough time um, in our family, and, and and you know, for me, it's not like it was the first time. You know, it's the same thing I went through with my dad. Um, you know, he, I didn't really know him, know him until you know, I guess I don't know, I was around like eight or nine or so, and. Then shortly after, you know, we became a part of each other's lives, he, uh, you know, got caught up in drugs and was soon gone again. And in an effort to, you know, get clean again, you know, went to stay in North Carolina with some of our family down there. But, you know, unfortunately had already... Um, made some decisions that could not be corrected, you know. And so, as a result of shared needles, you know, he contracted AIDS and died. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't often, no, I don't, I don't, you know, say that often, but I think about it often. And I'm not sure why. It's like it's not who I am, but it's a part of me. And I really don't know what that means. But it is what it is. So I'm going to end that right here, you know, because of the length of the interview today. And so I'm going to move on um, to our closing and our, our homework with a little something new. All right. Trying something new this week calling it, you don't get a hall pass. I'm reserving this segment to recognize those folks who draw attention for being their true selves, but attempt to play upon public sentiment. There are two recognizables this week. Number one, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. Last week, you made the rounds defending a bill to allow late term and later abortions. I don't know enough about the issue to appropriately discuss it. So I'll leave that here for listeners to do more research if desired. Then, pictures of blackface and KKK outfits from your medical school yearbook surfaced. Pictures you apologized for, then didn't, then did, then didn't again. Now, while I wholeheartedly believe they only surfaced because the NRA began to use the abortion issue as a talking point, which I haven't heard since, that ain't the point. The point is that these pictures exist. Here are the multitude of problems with that and for you. This was medical school. You and your classmates were in your 20s in the mid-80s. You all were well aware of what those images represented and meant. And you still did it. And time capsuled it. And published it for distribution. You flip-flopped multiple times. You don't even know what your position is. You admitted to doing blackface during a Michael Jackson performance. You know, for the moonwalk. But, 
Michael wasn't even that black at that time. When asked about the moonwalk, you actually looked for a spot to do it and had to be told by your wife that it was an inappropriate time. First, when would an appropriate time be? Second, the immediacy with which you looked for a spot lets me know that you still do that shit, which means you reminisce, which means you remember all of it, including the blackface and the KKK outfit. Apparently, a cap a campaign staffer expressed feelings about blackface. They gave you pause. And a new awareness of what it means. Campaign staffer. That means it was during the campaign and before you were elected. You mean after that conversation, you somehow forgot about Michael Jackson, the moonwalk, the yearbook, the blackface, the KKK outfit? Or you thought it wasn't important enough to mention? Yeah. Nah. And as I am just shocked and awed by your position and general disposition, Governor Ralph Northam, you don't get a hall pass. And you know what, um... VA Dems or Dems in general, neither do you. Y'all knew that. And we know you knew. Watching you too. So, uh, recognizable number two, Liam Neeson. This week, portions of an interview you gave about an upcoming movie were released. These clips ended on your response to the sexual assault of a friend over 40 years ago. You talked about wanting to kill a black man. Any black man that you came into contact with. You were carrying a weapon just waiting for someone. Someone in black to challenge you. You wanted to were going to kill them. I have no idea what that feels like. I can't blame you for thoughts you had 40 years ago. I also feel like we can't talk about change and continue falling people for shit they did years ago. Therefore not allowing the changes they've undergone to manifest. Now, I know there's multiple perspectives on that. Eh. It is what it is. However, let me be clear, Liam Neeson, I do not believe you. Even if you had these feelings then, why are they relevant now? Why do you feel the need to bring them to the light now? Are you still having these feelings? If so, then you haven't changed. And you get no benefit of the doubt. If not, you saw an opportunity to play on the current political and social climate we, as American citizens, are experiencing. That's dangerous. Not for you, but for us. You have a movie being released this weekend. This weekend. I don't know about other folks, but I didn't know about this movie until this report about your interview. Now, we all know, when Taken was over, we knew Taken 2 was coming. And when Taken 2 was over, we knew Taken 3 was coming. We didn't want it, but we knew Taken 3 was coming. We watched you play the old crime fight and all these other movies I can't remember the names of. You know the ones where the action slows down and so do the bad guys. You know, but you move in real time and get them all. Even saved your family in the woods in one. So again, I didn't know about this movie until this interview leaked. Now, that's either piss-poor marketing or piss-poor calculated risk. I mean, after all of this, again, I still don't know the name of the movie. So, my view, this was a calculated risk and it failed miserably. I imagine someone in your corner saw recent incidents of folks revealing egregious acts from their past and watched the public backlash over never giving or failed apologies. Nobody seems to have gotten it right. I guess your folks saw a golden opportunity. Hey, let's talk about a time when you wanted to do something that played right into the growing racial divide, but let's talk about how you didn't do it, and now you know it was wrong and want to show how much you've learned and grown. What did you learn? How have you grown? Words have meaning that inspire action, often with consequences that align to social and socioeconomic standing. You don't live with our consequences, and we don't live with yours. But as you can affect ours, so too can we affect yours. We see you. 
But perhaps we won't be seeing your movie, which I, we, still don't know the name of anyway. Liam Neeson, you don't get a hall pass. So, your homework for this and every week is hashtag come through with the come through. I don't mean stop by. Well, not literally and not yet. I mean, think about what you heard today, what resonates with you. Do you or someone you know have a substance abuse problem? Alcohol abuse? Both? Have you gotten help? Have you talked to anyone? If so, great. If not, why not? Scared? Me too. Me too. But I, we, can't continue like this. The stakes are too high and the community needs us. So, what are you going to do about your problem? The community's problem. Now, do it and let me know about it. As a matter of fact, let me know your thoughts about the show as well. As I said, I'm a teacher. I have an open door policy. Contact me with any questions, comments, or concerns via email at heybfrank at gmail.com. That's H-E-Y, the letter B, F-R-A-N-K at gmail.com. On Twitter, at bfrankism, that's at the letter B, F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M. On Instagram, at bfrankism, the letter B, F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M. So, we didn't win the Powerball last week, but we're going to keep playing. Today's Powerball numbers are 29, 35, 40, 45, and 63. And the Powerball is 25. If you win, pay it forward or put it back into the community. Today and always, don't forget to check on somebody. And if you need somebody to check on you, let them know. All right. That's it for this week. See you next Wednesday. Get at me.